Taming the Weeds in Your Mind. I remember years ago when we lived out of the city, one of the nice things about that was we had more space and we had a really, really big backyard. And one year, I decided to create a garden. And it was a big endeavor. I had no clue what I was doing. So instead of creating an easier raised garden, what I decided to do was manually shovel a lot of dirt out of the out of the grounds and create uh, like a legitimate garden from the bottom of the ground up. It was an endeavor to say the least, but it was beautiful. We you know we planted kale and Swiss chard and mint and strawberries and tomatoes and all that amazing stuff, and. Initially, it was great. I was excited about it. It was awesome. And then as the summer wore on, it started to get a little bit tiring because what I noticed was that I was spending a lot of my time pulling weeds and dealing with all the stuff I did not want to see in the garden. And I had this garden for two years before I said, you know what? Forget about it. I'm just going to go to the farmer's market and buy my produce there. Now, in the future, I might have another garden, but at the time, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I didn't know how to, and I still don't know how to, quite honestly, plant things to prevent weeds from growing. And and I'm sure there's a lot of amazing uh, natural and organic ways to do that. But the story here is really to hit home a point, which is this, is left unattended, most gardens will be overgrown with weeds. And in our worlds, That garden is our mind. The reality is, and sadly, is that the human brain is hardwired for fight or flight. It's a, it's an, again, like it's a a biological evolutionary thing that we needed thousands of years ago to survive, right? We are always on the lookout for danger. It's been said that we have five times more receptors for pain and danger than we do for the opposite. And so we are hardwired to seek out bad, pain, um, danger, things that we need to avoid because that is what we were, that's what we had to do. We always had to be on the lookout for like when are bad things going to happen so we can avoid them. So how does this translate to the modern day mind? Well, the thing is the modern day mind is the same as the paleolithic mind. It's the same hardwiring. We're working the same operating system in a very, very different world. So that's the first thing we're up against. The second thing we're up against is the fact that a lot of this operating system and some of the software that we have installed in the computer, which is our mind, was not even our choosing. We grew up exposed to our parents, school system, religious upbringing, whatever that might be. And we were influenced by what we saw, what we heard, and how people behaved. And all of these have imprinted on us. And as a parent, it's actually kind of sad because I know that I've screwed up my kids in many ways. (laughs) At the same time, I've hopefully done some really good stuff for them as well. But the reality is that like everything that we experienced as a young child has created the, the soil, the foundation from which our garden can grow. Now, hopefully that garden is, you know, that soil is rich and full of amazing nutrients, but in a lot of cases, it's not. 
right? A lot of us grew up with parents who said things like, money doesn't grow on trees. Don't you have enough already? Um, like you're not good enough or whatever it might be. And all of these have become part of our subconscious wiring that have in many cases held us back in life. So we've talked about the whole idea of like thoughts become things, right? Thoughts, feelings, actions, results. And what I alluded to earlier in that, in that lesson was, well, where do thoughts come from? Well, thoughts come from beliefs and beliefs most often come from experiences. And those experiences are what we're talking about here is that those experiences largely are out of our control because a lot of them that have imprinted themselves into our subconscious mind happened when we were young. So does that mean we have to become victims for the rest of our life? Not at all. Not at all, because we will be victors, not victims. The important thing to realize is that if this is the default setting, if the default setting of our brain, of our mind, of the way our thoughts are going to work, is to naturally navigate towards things not working the way we want them to, the negative side of things, looking for danger and pain, then we have to take a proactive approach to change the inputs, to tend to the weeds in our mind that will grow if we are not consistent and diligent with our thoughts. So when we look at what we have the choice of doing today, we have the choice every single day as grown-ups to choose what we watch, choose what we listen to, choose what we read, and choose who we hang around with. There's nobody forcing us to do any of that stuff, and there's no gun to our head that says, you must only do this. And as a result of that, we have all the power. We have the power at our disposal every single day to make better choices. As health entrepreneurs, we know that what we put in our body from a food perspective ultimately creates our physical body, right? You eat an apple, those nutrients turn into our physical body. Part of those nutrients turn into our physical body at some level. And it's amazing when you think of that. Like the tissue that is our human body was created by the very foods that we have eaten. The energy that we feel or don't feel is directly related to the foods that we've put in our body. That is phenomenal to think about that. And so very much like we have to be very aware of the foods that we feed ourselves, we need to be aware of the mind food we feed ourselves right? So what are the inputs that we are choosing to allow into our brain? Because remember, if we are not conscious and aware and proactive about this, then our mind in most cases for most humans is going to go down the wrong rabbit hole. And the beautiful thing is that although we are for the most part working uphill against subconscious software priming that is not really ideal in many cases, we can change. We can improve. And that's the most amazing thing about us humans is we have an unparalleled ability to adapt to our environment. When the, the scientific community discovered the human genome and decoded it, one of the things they noticed was that this huge amount of uh, stuff they called junk DNA. 
And initially they thought that, oh, this is just like, you know, wood logs or twigs in water. It's, it's kind of irrelevant. Like it's, it's not useful. It's, it's just like, let's get this out of the way. But what they later discovered was that this junk DNA has a very, very important role. This junk DNA is really the secret sauce that allows us to adapt to our environment. And this is really exciting because what this means is that we can take someone who grew up in a really unfortunate upbringing. Let's just use the example of someone who grows up in the ghetto, who is exposed to drugs and violence and not the most empowering environment. And within that community, not the best environments, yes, sadly, the majority of people coming out of there are going to replicate those patterns for years to come with their own families and with their own future. But there's always a small percentage of kids who will come out of that environment and who will choose to live a different future, choose to live a different life. And that's really exciting because really what it comes down to is it's a choice. It's a choice to leave what we know that's familiar, that isn't serving us, and choose to be in a better environment, to be in an environment that empowers us, where we are surrounded by people who think like we want to think, who are thinking bigger, who are more optimistic, who are here to contribute, who have a a life that is inspiring to model. And the, the really amazing thing about us humans is because we are social beings, we will become, we are literally forced genetically to become like our immediate environment. Why? Because the social tie, the social bond is so strong within humans that if we don't become like our environment, if we don't become like the rest of our tribe, we will be ostracized from the tribe. Again, this goes back to like our primitive wiring. And so in this case, it can actually serve us really well because we know that we become, as we've heard before, we become the reflection of the five or six people we spend the most time with. We become a reflection of the inputs we bring into our mind. We become a reflection of the things we watch, the things we listen to, the books we read, etc. If you've got kids, when they play video games, if a kid plays violent video games, I think we all know they're going to start acting a little bit more violently. They model what they see. They model what their parents do. If parents smoke, we know kids are more likely to smoke. If parents drink, we know kids are more likely to drink. So think about this, is whatever we want to become, number one is we need to surround ourselves with the type of people who are already there because naturally we, will, we just have to level up. It's like if I wanted to become the best tennis player in the world, which I think I've missed the boat on that, but if I wanted to, I need to play against players who are better than me because it's going to force me to level up my game and get better. And it's the same thing here is we need, and again, the challenging thing here is that a lot of times our immediate family might not be the people we need to be spending most of our time with. The people we went to school with even, the friends we've had for years and decades might not be the right people for us to surround ourselves with because a lot of times 
Their past is bigger than their future. And I only want to surround myself personally with people who remind me more of my future than my past. And it's not to say that those friends from way back in the day don't have their place, but in terms of the amount of energy and time I want to or we want to spend with them, we need to think about that choice. Because unless they're moving us forward, unless they're moving us towards the bigger version of ourselves, they're slowing us down. And I say that in the nicest way possible. So in order to tame the weeds in our mind, we need to surround ourselves with a better environment. That includes the people that we choose to spend our time with. That's number one. Second is when we look at the inputs. Let's talk about what we allow into our mind in the form of what we listen to and what we watch and read. Watching the news, like many people do, like my parents do, it's like gospel for them. That's a choice. That's a choice. And with every choice we make, there are consequences. And the consequences of that choice are that they live in a world that is very fear-based and very one-sided, right? Every publishing platform, news being one of them, has a very specific objective. It's, we're never, it's never objective, right? There's always, there's always an agenda. And so if they're paying attention to specific media, then they're consuming only that point of view. And that becomes their reality. And that's fine if that's what they want and if that's supporting the life they want to live. But personally for me, I never watch the news because there's nothing good I'm ever going to see on the news. Now, do I want to stay up to date with what's happening around the world? Sure. I'll just quickly check in for two seconds to see what's going on. And that's about it. But I'm not going to sit down for an hour at six o'clock. I'm not going to sit down for an hour at 11 o'clock, and I'm certainly not going to start my day watching an hour of the news. Many people do. Many people spend hours every day glued to the news. And it's no wonder that they have a very, very pessimistic and scared view of the world. So how we choose to spend our time and what we consume in terms of what we watch has a direct impacts, a direct impact on the worldview that we have. If you are watching things like horror movies, violent TV shows, and negative media on the news, you're going to have a very different perspective of how this world is compared to someone who's watching Care Bears. <laughs> now, I'm not saying watch Care Bears, although I wanted to run a test with my kids about this and see how that would go. But what I am saying is that if we are only seeing negative and bad and violence and death, that becomes our reality. It is that the reality you want? If it is, Great, keep doing that. But I'm assuming that it's not because you're here and you're a little bit different, just like I am. So we have to think of, well, what is the reality that I want? What is the world in which I want to live? And that world is one where people are good, where people, for the most part, are here to do well. They're not looking to take advantage of other people. We're here because we want to live in a world where there's love and there's peace and there's people doing good things and there's contribution and we can create anything that we want in life. That's the world I want to live in. That's the world I want to raise my kids in. Now, does that mean that that is objectively true? Is that the objective reality? No, that's my reality because whatever is subjective to you is real to you. There is no objective reality. There is no one way this life works. Your life is a mirror 
of what's inside of you. And so if someone is pessimistic and angry and thinks people are terrible, that's their world. And if you don't want that, you're best not to surround yourself with that type of person and those type of inputs. And the beautiful thing about the time in which we live is we can listen to audios like this. We can listen to podcasts. We can listen to books. We can listen to amazing music. We can listen to things that uplift us, that motivate us, that inspire us, that show us what's possible. That even on our darkest days, that even when things are not going the way we want them to, we can press play on our smartphones or on our iPods and we can instantaneously be plugged into something that is going to lift us up. What did our ancestors do 100, 200 years ago? They didn't have the same stuff. Maybe they had books, but it's not quite the same. Now books, right? Another great example. You can take decades of somebody's life and consume it in the space of a couple of hours. As of this recording, I'm reading a book, and I can't remember the name of it because I'm on my Kindle, so I can never see the titles, by Bob Iger, who is the former CEO of Disney. He was the CEO of Disney for, I believe, 14 years. 14 years! Do you think I might be able to learn a few things from the CEO of one of the largest companies on the planet, one of the largest brands that we've all grown up with? Do you think that there might be some nuggets of wisdom that I can garner from this individual story. thousand percent, right? When we think of the, the most amazing leaders and authors and experts on this planet, they most in most cases, they all have books, right? In the space of a couple of hours, you can take someone's entire life and learn something that can benefit you. And this is an opportunity that is that's just unbelievable. It's often been said that leaders are readers, and I want to encourage you to have a really healthy daily habit of reading, of learning, of consuming more information, not consuming information from news sites, but reading, reading, spending time in thought, and learning from people who've paved the way before us. Because doing these daily activities, listening to audios like this, reading great things, watching videos that inspire you, not negative news, hanging around with amazing people. This is the secret to building the life you want, to taming the weeds in your mind. Because if we don't control these inputs and we don't tend to our garden, the weeds are too easy to take over. And I want to give you one little nugget before we finish off here. And we're going to expand upon this. If you want to know how you're doing, if you want to know what you're thinking, pay attention to how you feel. Because if you don't feel happy and upbeat and optimistic and certain and knowing that the life you want is is here, then those feelings are your dashboard. How you feel is your dashboard. How you feel tells you about your life. And we're going to expand upon this over the coming lessons, but your feelings are messengers. And how you feel is your life. And so just think about this. Do I feel positive, happy, optimistic, fulfilled, joyful? Or do I feel depressed, anxious, stressed, mad, angry, hopeless, Very, very different life. Very different life.
So I want to leave you with that. And for today, all I want you to do is for, for today, and if you can do this moving forward, that's going to be a, a bonus, is become aware of how you feel. And once you've identified that feeling, trace it back to the thought that created that feeling. Remember, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. So if you feel a certain way, that feeling came from a thought. And do your best to identify where that thought came from. Is that your own thought? Or was that installed years ago? And if it was installed years ago, that is a weed that you have control of taking out of your garden by replacing it with better plants and better nourishment. Make sense? So that is how we can tame the weeds in your mind to help you live your best life.